0: Hey guys, Mike here for Hokie Hangover on behalf of the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Former downtown Blacksburg Business of the Year in 2019, Jeremy Counts and his staff at Main Street Pharmacy have you covered for all of your pharmaceutical needs. Medication, school supplies, you name it, Jeremy and his staff, family-owned business, they got you covered over at Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. They've been a sponsor of our podcast since the beginning, going on five years now. And there's a reason why. They're extremely extremely reliable. They're good people. They're friends of ours, friends of the podcast. Head on over to Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, downtown Blacksburg. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday from 9 to noon. They're closed on Sundays. You can be reached at 540-605-7721. That's Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in downtown Blacksburg.
1: Hokie Hangover is proud to be sponsored by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand in the United States. Based in Indianapolis, Homefield is committed to creating comfortable and officially licensed apparel featuring vintage college designs. Homefield puts in extra reps for each of the more than 150 colleges they highlight, discovering unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create the best look at your tailgate. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order. Homefield makes online shopping so easy, even I can't screw it up. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order and acquire Blue Chip Apparel from Homefield, an official sponsor of Hokie Hangover.
0: Hey guys, Mike here on behalf of our podcast partner, Vivid Seats. That's right. Hokie Hangover Podcast is partnering with Vivid Seats this football season to provide you with all of your ticketing needs. Heading to a game at Lane Stadium this fall need tickets? Check out Vivid Seats. Going to another college football venue this fall? Use Vivid Seats. Checking out a concert venue even? Vivid Seats has you covered there as well. And they got a promo code just for you. That's right. Go to VividSeats.com. Use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. We can't thank Vivid Seats enough for their partnership this football season. Make sure to check them out. Hokie hangover, Virginia Tech, 55, Charlottesville College for the Performing Arts, 17. Guys, Virginia Tech is bowl eligible, and this was embarrassing for UVA. I mean, just an embarrassing performance. I I wish I could couch this better for Virginia and be a little bit nicer saying that they were competitive here, but they absolutely were not. Virginia Tech had their way for four, basically four full quarters. Uh, This was never really competitive. We had Virginia fans uh, in Twitter spaces after the game talking about how outside of a few key positions on the defensive line, Virginia had better players across the board, which is just a preposterous statement. Um, I'll, I'll have what they're having. In addition to and shout out to John Cranham on that, Doctor John Cranham, he is a uh, listener of this podcast. He is uh, he's tweeted at us before, um, and and he mentioned that on the timeline. So I want to give a hat tip to him. In addition to that, uh, we had a uh, Virginia fan and noted uh, retired freelance journalist named Brandon Lloyd. Note that. Virginia only had 47,000 fans in attendance, and he thought Virginia Tech would bring more fans. So Hokies fans should be embarrassed that they didn't have more fans at Scott Stadium. He's saying this is a UVA fan when they just lost by 38 points at home to a rival in a rebuild. Give me a break. Uh, pathetic from UVA. This I mean just pathetic. Awesome, awesome performance by Virginia Tech. We'll talk about the Hokies at Tom this podcast, but this was absolutely
1: embarrassing by UVA. Boys, um uh, now that Virginia Tech has beaten the Charlottesville College of the Performing Arts, this program is going to shoot up and everyone in the country is going to know about Virginia Tech. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man. Well, I talked about I mean, those
1: comments too.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, I'm big in anything about showing respect for the opposition and not counting your chickens before they're hatched. So for Anthony Calandria, like Tony Elliott said, it's a learning lesson, you know, for a young guy. A, a teachable moment, Andrew. A teachable moment whatever. And I think it was a teachable moment for me as a dude who prognosticates these games to whatever extent I attempt to. But I had too much respect for the competition. UVA did not garner that respect. Anthony Calandria for certain did not garner that respect. And, you know, I don't want to beat up on the kid too bad. I'm sure he's probably a a nicer guy than we've all made him out in our head to be, but that doesn't matter. Thanks for providing the ultimate bulletin board material all week to our fan base and more importantly to our guys and watching him get knocked on his ass every play. It didn't hurt that he made those comments and it didn't hurt that he looks like AI generated a picture of, the douchey UVA stereotype, just a skinny guy. Looks like he's too small to be out there making everyone in the Virginia tech defensive line look like Bruce Smith. It was fireworks for four quarters. And, uh, you know, I was nervous going into the game and I, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, I was in transit, the stretch of 95 between DC and Richmond. Welcome. Knocked me off my, I thought I, if I just budgeted an extra hour, I could make the game on time. I could be on my buddy's couch on time for kickoff. Not true. I listened to the first quarter to shout out Bill and Mike Burnup. They do a great job. When I heard the first four plays, drones for a six-yard run, tootin' for a three-yard run, two completions. I'm like, oh, never mind. Never mind. The strengths and weaknesses thing that you can't look past that. The game plan was on point and it was executed to a T. Brett Pry made the guy who was hired at the other state university or the other university within the state in the same year, the guy who a lot of Virginia tech fans wanted a year prior, Brett Pry made him look like he was running the JV program over there. And it was uh it was a party for four quarters, six and six, the road to the military bowl. Uh, you know, we're just letting the pavement dry at this point.
1: So, boys, I, I spent this past week in Tennessee visiting family, as you guys know, and um, the trip there and back is a pretty, pretty hard reminder of how awful Interstate 81 is. Mm-hmm. The only thing more awful than Interstate 81 is this Virginia fan base. Boys, this was an absolute embarrassment of a showing from the Charlottesville College of the Performing Arts, which, Mike, you need to put that on a t shirt. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's a great, uh, I don't know if you came up with that on your own, but if you did, I hats did. off to you, buddy. Uh, I did. Thank you. Boys, I don't know that I've ever seen opposing fans in Virginia Tech's student section, especially in the North End Zone. I sure as hell have never seen opposing fans in the front row of the student section. When Basial Tutin scored and ran up into the student section, he was immediately greeted by like seven Hokies. I mean, immediately, right? There were large spots in the stadium that were completely unfilled. There was no way that there were 42,000 people in that stadium. That must have been the paid attendance for this game because, boys, this was, uh, I guess, our, like, biannual reminder that Virginia is an unserious program. They're an unserious fan base, and they should be treated as such.
2: You know, I, I when I was on my drive today, I called – uh, Mount Rushmore listener Don Tomas see how he was doing and we were kind of just shooting the shit about the game what have you he said Andrew I want to pose a theoretical to you don't you sometimes wish that this rivalry was more competitive and I thought about it for about 30 seconds because I had also been looking at some of the Twitter stuff and Mike brought it up not just with uh, Mr. Lloyd but with that sad, sad barstool fella who bet 500 bucks on UVA and was talking smack all week. And I will say, like, our people have been pretty unrelenting in going after anyone who waves the UVA flag in any sort of disrespectful
0: way. Wouldn't expect anything less.
2: And wouldn't expect anything less. And part of me, for a moment, you know, thinking about are we going too hard on them? Don't you wish the rival more competitive? And I immediately flashed back to Scott Stadium in 2019. I had the pleasure of being there. And people were mouthing off at me in the stands, and I wasn't starting anything. I was being pretty classless, just cheered for my team. People were yelling at us on the way out. Of course, they stormed their field. And remembering how I felt walking out of Scott Stadium that day, and seeing the the display of classlessness that at least, you can't say all, but a large percentage of the UVA fan base displayed that day. I hope they never have the opportunity to do that again. I hope that another 19-year streak is in the works right now, and I hope that every year when they have the opportunity to host us, We do what we do. We fill out their student section. We storm their field, even if they've only won three games all year. Because, you know, they have their points where they can talk smack. They've won national championships in other stuff. But you know what? We're not talking about other stuff. We're talking about football, the moneymaker, the biggest college sport out there. And it's not by much of a very close margin, folks. And in that one, in this rivalry, there is a clear little brother. And they played like it on Saturday. And, and Virginia Tech flexed their muscles. Virginia Tech football is fun. Again, the most rewarding win in years.
1: Andrew, you he's... guys saw that that Dax Hollifield got blindsided, right, in the stands? I did. Yeah,
0: um, did he? I, I heard something about that. I saw he was at the game. I saw uh, pictures floating around circulating on social media that he was uh, tailgating with some people before the game. And then heard rumors that he got punched or somebody tried to punch him or Something happened in the stands.
2: Not a surprise.
1: Not, not, not surprised. I,
2: w- I wouldn't attempt to punch Dax Hollyfield. That would just be my recommendation to. I'll anyone. be honest.
1: Like I, I was kind of surprised.
2: That's something I would have expected
1: from a West Virginia fan or a Miami fan, not necessarily UVA. Yeah, UVA doesn't seem like they're, uh, that they care enough to do something
2: like that. Well, you know, with UVA, you have your different types of UVA fans and I don't know who it was it could have been one of the uva uh you know charlottesville mountain people they <laughs> could sometimes get rowdy like the uncool mountain people uh and then of course there's like a drunken titled uva frat boy i can imagine well, that
0: well i was going to say I, I hope number one i hope Dax is okay number two like if he had to go to the hospital i would say that the uva barstool guy could fit uh could foot the bill for the uh hospital copay Problem is, they just burned $500 betting on school to lose by 38 points. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, you mentioned the whole thing about, uh, you know, walking out of Scott Stadium in 2019 when UVA beat Virginia Tech. By the way, the Hokies just won uh, again. That, that's 18 out of the last 19, 22 out of the last 24. Um, I'm 31 years old. You guys are a few years younger than me. But the good news is that, Andrew, I don't think that you're going to have to see UVA, at least at the current pace, win a whole lot of games in your lifetime. I mean, they may win like three, maybe four games, which would be pretty impressive over like an eighty-year span.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you just extrapolate out the data, that's what it would lead you to.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, at the
2: current pace, at least.
0: Yeah, that's that's that Pamplin College of Business degree working for me there. Uh, the whole extrapolation thing. Uh, to the actual game, uh, Virginia Tech's defense. Had six sacks and ten tackles for loss, and that probably first of all that's impressive, but it doesn't really do justice to what the Hokies' defense, especially a defensive line, did to Anthony Calandria in this game. uh he dropped back to throw forty six times, and I will bet that he was at least hit on, on at least forty of those forty six dropbacks. Like I don't know what the I don't know what the stat line would suggest, but like there were a million quarterback hurries here. Um. The defensive line made sure that, you know, he felt the pass rush every time he stepped back to throw. This was a big time performance by, by the Virginia Tech defense here. Big time performance.
1: We've seen this pass, pass rush kind of go in and out at times. And we've seen what they can do, right? They had, what, 15 sacks over a two game span. And we hadn't really seen it. After that two game stretch, but we saw it in full force on saturday on Saturday night. Um, Calandria, as mobile as he is, was not able to improvise whatsoever in this game. And credit to the Virginia Tech secondary for for staying sharp on the back end, especially in the first half. They kind of gave up some a lot of garbage yards in the second. Um, they they really started to give it up when the score was like thirty one to zero. So oh. A lot of those Rick, yards don't mean much. <laughs> I, I don't mean, and
0: I and I don't mean to cut you off, but absolute clown behavior by Tony Elliott. It is thirty-one to nothing. And Rick, I know you're a proponent of of taking the points. I am. You are going to you are going to agree with me on this though. It is thirty-one to nothing. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. clear where this game is heading or is already at. Right, it's a four touchdown spread. Tony Elliott. Uh, UVA has it fourth and goal at the seven yard line and UVA kicks like a 25 yard field goal to make it 31 to three. So he made a four score game, a four score game. And then it's like the football gods were like smiting him because Bayshel Tootin took the ensuing kickoff 94 yards for a touchdown and quickly made it 38 to three total clown behavior by Tony Elliott kicking the short field goal there down 31 points. Unbelievable. I mean
1: wouldn't expect anything less So I specifically remember I want to say it was after 2016 um, my former colleague Will Stewart penned a column about how he wasn't really sure this was going to be like a real rivalry anymore because UVA just wasn't taking football seriously they were struggling mightily on the field and obviously UVA won their one in 2019 but Something in that program just seems like they're, they're they're not trying to win games. I mean, that is a loser move. And yeah. that's not to say that Tony Elliott's a bad person, because I think he's actually probably a pretty good person. But when it comes to football, that's what losers do, man. I mean, like, you have to you have to attack games with a certain mindset and mentality and a certain level of aggressiveness. And you can debate that level of aggressiveness all you want. And we do that plenty enough on this podcast when it comes to taking the points, but you're down 31 and you're kicking a field goal on from what the seven yard line. Just
2: unserious program. It, it just goes back to what we started We What we started with. I mean, organizationally there's always going to be things that are entrenched right like Miami year over year no matter who the coach is seems to find a way to take you know top 25 talent and go six and six find ways to throw punches in a one score game in the fourth quarter yeah <laughs> and you know that's something that you can switch the guy out at the top but it would take a, a true like chemotherapy of sorts to eliminate that culture at UVA, maybe that culture is just not being able to get it done. Like big brother, little brother, like it, it could be a real thing. And what Virginia Tech did especially well, you know, not just sticking to the offensive game script that has not only worked for them all year, but knowing UVA's deficiencies seems primed to work again. And they came out aggressive in that front, which works very well, and everyone's very happy to see it. But defensively, just getting after the quarterback, beating up on him, pulling no punches. And, you know, a football game is 60 minutes, 25 game minutes into that thing, so not even halfway done, and you know at 24-0, the mindset of every player on that UVA team has got to be here. We go again. Get me out of here. This thing just needs to end.
0: Tony, and- Tony, Tony Elliott say he didn't like the look in his team's eye in the first half. I'll say,
2: yeah, it's uh, the look of fear, right? And also, it's important
1: to note. So, Tech finally gets their 50 burger and, and scores 55 in this game. They did that committing nine penalties. For 101 yards and turned it over inside the 10-yard line, this easily could have been 70 points. I mean, easily it, the score the the margin is rather large, obviously, but somehow the margin doesn't actually describe how wide the margin was on the field. UVA didn't even look like they belonged on the field with Virginia Tech in this game. Over 100
0: yards worth of penalties. Virginia Tech, you mentioned, Ricky, had the first half red zone turnover, the Kyron Drones fumble, which, you know, was frustrating in the moment. then Virginia Tech's defense got a stop and the Hokie scored again. So then it ended up being pretty non-consequential. But in the moment, it was pretty frustrating. Uh, the, the penalties, obviously, you have over 100 yards worth of penalties, not great. Uh, but Virginia Tech also had a lot of stuff that they did that that made up for the bad and the frustrating within this game and I actually tweeted this in the third quarter, like the the best parts about games like this, you know, blowout wins like this are when you feel like you left some out there and, you know, Virginia tech staff won't say that publicly. Right. But Brent Pry is going to look at the tape and he's going to be like, we left some stuff out there, which that's what football coaches do. So the the best kinds of games are when you win by margins like this and you know, you weren't perfect and, Virginia Tech did a lot of really good stuff on Saturday, like the explosive plays, obviously, to Daquan Felton. There were a couple different ones there. Uh, obviously, the long touchdown pass being the highlight of those. The Bayshall Tootin kick return for a touchdown. Uh, you know, Hokies recover a muffed, font, muffed punt, excuse me. A, a lot of good stuff happened here in this game for the Hokies. You know, 500 yards of offense, very balanced run versus pass. Tyler Bowen called a game with confidence. We're seeing a trend here where he's real comfortable being aggressive uh, when Virginia Tech is playing from ahead, which, you know, a lot of coaches are. But this is becoming a trend with Bowen, right? We've criticized him when, you know, the play calling's gotten a little stale when the Hokies have been behind. You know, we criticized him for uh, the lack of touches for Bayshel Tootin. I think Saturday's game against UVA was a reminder that the Hokies should get him the ball obviously more not less. Uh but we're see- we're seeing a trend here with this coaching staff where when they smell blood, uh they go in and they go in for the kill. It's not just like we're going to win this game, it's we're going to win this game by like four or five scores. Specifically this stat stood out to me and I sent it in the uh in in our group chat to make sure I didn't forget. Uh there are power 5 there's the number of power 5 teams this year that won five conference games by 17 or more points i'm going to list them and and tell me which one doesn't belong on this list okay michigan ohio state oregon penn state florida state georgia mizzou and virginia tech oregon, oregon. <laughs> guys. Guys, there are seven ranked teams on that list. Not not just seven ranked teams, like seven top 10 teams on that yeah. list, and then there's Virginia Tech. Uh the Hokies when when they've felt like they can really uh lay into an opponent this year, they've done it in conference play. Really really impressive.
1: They haven't won a single game this year by one score. I mean, they've all been pretty pretty large blowout victories. They won by 19 against Old Dominion, 17 against Pittsburgh, 17 against Wake Forest, 28 against uh, Syracuse, 26, Boston College, and was at 38 in this one. Yep. So absolutely just blowing teams out of the water. And I, I, I tweeted this out or posted this on X in the middle of the game. I really do appreciate Tyler Bowen going for the jugular really throughout this entire game. Virginia Tech does not have the kind of offense that's going to move the football consistently, like an Oregon or a Washington or something like that. When they've got their chances, they need to take them. And Bowen has done that in a lot of the games uh, this year, especially since the disastrous September start. And it's extremely encouraging. And it goes back to the point we made earlier this year where once Kyron Drones was in, I guess, what, his second start? Or third start? Yes, third start, yeah, Pittsburgh. And, and they got to ACC play. Something flipped with Bowen, and he started getting really aggressive. He started hammering the perimeter runs and throws. He started finding ways to get to Quan Felton open downfield. And the offenses look completely different. they've been using reverses. It seems like every other week Holloway scored on one yeah, um and Xavier Xavion Turner Bradshaw scored last week so yep. this has kind of become a staple for Tyler Bowen and it's extremely encouraging because you want an offensive coordinator to be able to kind of push the the pedal down and it, no matter what the score is and be able to throttle it up and for all of the the um flack that we gave Bowen last week for giving Tootin two carries he he listened and he got things going in this game and utilized Basial Tootin who has been in my mind Virginia Tech's most consistent reliable offensive weapon all season long and you gotta get you got you have to get your playmakers the football that's how you score points and Bowen has done that in spades for the last several weeks of the season. And it's extremely encouraging going into year three.
0: Before I flip this over to Andrew real quick, I just want to slide this stat in. Uh, Virginia Tech averaged 32.1 points per game this year in ACC play. That's the fifth highest mark in school history. Think about how far we've come from September. It's pretty remarkable.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say a, a quote stuck out to me that I heard uh over Thanksgiving weekend uh, outside the box recommendation for anyone here go on Netflix there is a documentary called it ain't over it's about Yogi Berra. if you're a baseball fan watch it you'll enjoy it but in that quote of course you know Yogi Berra was famous for his many yogiisms or quotes they're all very simple but they mean you know they, they speak to a larger theme you know it's almost like a proverbial if you will And one of them was, if you can't imitate it, don't copy it. I think that's a lesson that Tyler Bowen and this offensive coaching staff learned a quarter of the way through this season. They spent a year and a half trying to run an offense that had worked for them in the past at Penn state. You know, a lot of offenses can work with the right personnel. Our personnel was not that personnel when they, Changed things up, saw the strength that they had, saw what their key to victory was. It's a plan that's not perfect, obviously, against some stiffer competition and notably some significantly stiffer defenses, NC State, Louisville, what have you. You know, it wasn't always great. But it gave the team the best chance to win week in and week out. And that's how you go from one and three to six and six. Five and three in the conference. What's that good for, Mike? Fourth place?
0: Yep. Top half of the conference. For the team picked 11th. Top third at the conference. Yeah, top third at
2: the conference. Yeah. And as we've said many times on this podcast, this year was never about winning the ACC championship, though I guess technically speaking, we got a lot closer than anyone would expect us to. But it was about providing a little bit of proof of concept Here's what this looks like. Here's Brent Price, Virginia Tech. And in five ACC wins against the teams that, for the most part, you are playing year in and year out. Yeah, it might not have been Clemson and NC State and Florida State that they did it against, but against the competition put in front of them. Fireworks. And they can now go on that recruiting trail, and they could point to scores like Virginia Tech 55, UVA 17, and say, "This was, this is just the beginning. We're just getting started. Here's something that you could be a part of. Like we've already started doing it. Let's kick this thing into overdrive." And, and obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into it. NIL transfer portal. I, I'm we're celebrating now. Things could get really interesting in a lot of ways over the course of the last two weeks and don't be surprised if some names that you like aren't with the program anymore and there's going to be guys that you know by just before christmas names that we've never heard of before will become part of the virginia tech collective consciousness that will hopefully be names like felton and tootin that we're hearing a lot on Saturdays at Lane stadium come next year. So it'll be interesting, but the trajectory is certainly up. We talked about how bad it could have been for overall program momentum. Had they lost that game in Charlottesville and it was something that was given, not just the three of us, but the collective fan base, significant anxiety. Well, congratulations folks. Welcome to the opposite of that. We're going to the off season at it, you know, thousand miles an hour and that's something that virginia tech has not been able to say in a very very long time
0: shout out uh b fish so of course i put up that uh twitter poll last week that uh you know generate a lot of conversation in virginia tech twitter you know talking about do you consider the season of failure if virginia tech finishes five and seven and it got like 13 or 1400 votes and and uh, basically Split almost right down the middle. And when the game went final yesterday, B Fish quote tweeted that poll with the, uh, it's an old video clip of Kanye West at the Grammys winning a Grammy where he holds up the Grammy and says, I guess we'll never know. And an absolutely elite clip, an elite uh, tweet, an elite response uh, to our Twitter poll that we put out last week. And I guess we will never know because Virginia Tech has won six games. This season is not a failure. Virginia Tech is going bowling. We don't need to worry about discussing and splitting hairs on a five and seven season. We don't need to do that anymore. Uh, Not only did Virginia Tech win this game, they won by more than five scores. And they could have won by more. Uh, This was just an incredibly satisfying performance. That's really what this boils down to. An incredibly satisfying performance.
2: Another thing I'll point out, right, you know, before the season, we were saying things like, "I want to know what that record looks like, right? I want to know how we got to that point before I can make a deck about where the season was a success or a failure. So I it was brought to my attention on the official two four, seven preseason predictions. I had the most accurate one. I, I got I flipped Purdue. Uh, I don't know I, I flipped two games right it was I said we were going to beat Purdue and I said we were going to lose to Pittsburgh and everything else was correct so I wrote that out pretty much what happened right the record post Florida State is the same and you know as you predict that you have no idea what a whirlwind that's actually going to look like in the moment you know Mount Rushmore listener James Copeland pointed out to us, like, "Oh, we've come a long way since I was uh, listening to you guys talk about one and eleven season as a possibility." Yes, we have come a very long way since then. A lot has changed. You know, a a a coach who had one Power Five win to his name multiplied that number by five and <laughs> did it all in the course of you know a eight games pan. We got that proof of concept. And I don't think anyone can go into this off season now with at least definitive doubt that Pry has a chance to get this thing to where we thought he could get it to the day he was hired.
1: The other thing like, too, that's, I think, I, I think I even overlooked it at first after the game finished. Virginia Tech was over 500 in the ACC. Yeah. And as much as we have lamented the non-conference struggles and I think we should considering that Purdue loss looks pretty bad right now, right? Giving the team credit for going five going over 500 in this conference uh in from my understanding is the Power 5 conference with the most bowl eligible teams. that's that's nothing to scoff at. I mean, it's not a huge accomplishment, right? Like, it's not going to win you anything. But I think it just kind of goes to show that the ACC, for as much crap as we like to give it, was a relatively deep conference in terms of uh, mediocre or competent football. And Virginia Tech did pretty well against the bottom and the middle of of this conference. And they surely struggled against the top, but – Going 5-3 and three in the ACC, considering how bad they were in the conference last year, considering how they started, losing arguably your top weapon on offense in week two, it's pretty impressive. And I set it on X after the game. I still believe it. As far as I'm concerned, this year is a success.
2: It's crawl, walk, run. No one was expecting Virginia Tech to beat top 25 teams this year. Now, expectations will change. Yeah. Still a six-win season. You are, at the end of the day, what your record says you are. But last year, outside of a really bad Boston College team, Virginia Tech could barely hang with their mediocre to bad conference competition. This year, you know, we struggled against the top, but mediocre to bad – wiped the floor with now you build further 2023 virginia tech football became fun again for the first time since hendon hooker 2019 because as good as the 2020 team was they lost a bunch of games that they should have won yeah. so that that team is probably a more talented football team but they had lost a bunch of games they should have won virginia tech did not lose after the month of september really any games that they definitively should have won 2021 was awkward because it was a dead man walking with Justin Fuente. And again, you're losing winnable games. 2022, we all remember was just terrible. Virginia tech football was fun. Again, Lane stadium was sold out every week. The team, the competition might've not been the brightest, but at home, they put on shows it just makes you excited for what the future might hold.
1: This is the first time since 2019, like you just said, Andrew, that I haven't fin- – like we haven't finished the season with me being pissed off. <laughs> like, I'm actually excited about what, what this offseason could bring. I mean, there's a lot of questions. They're going to have to fill holes undoubtedly. But I this is the first time since that year where I actually liked what I saw in the aggregate. And I know I'm not alone in that regard. And it, it, it makes the off season, which we know is full of surprises. And, you know, Dave Dorn was talking about that today, right. About how he's asking folks to donate to the NIL collective to try and keep players. Cause the next week is going to be the worst week in the CFB calendar. So, you know, th- there may be some guys that, that leave this team that we're not expecting, but I have seen enough through the first two years from Brent Pry to still believe that this can work. And I didn't think I was going to be saying that at the start of the season. I sure as hell didn't think I was going to be saying that after they went one and three against the non con. Uh, but here we are. I it's funny because
0: you know, we all said five and seven on the season preview. Virginia Tech obviously finishes one game better than that, but in totality, right, finishes around what we thought, but this season didn't go anywhere near how I expected. Like, no, did did I think Virginia Tech did did I think it was possible for Virginia Tech to go one and three in the non con? Yes. We 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 spoke about this like we thought that it was possible that the Hokies went one and three. But we thought that Virginia Tech went one and three, making a bowl game would be really, really tough. And coming out of September, once the games were played and Virginia Tech actually went one and three and we saw how the one and three looked. That's exactly how we felt, you know, coming out of it. We were like, not only is Virginia Tech not going to make a bowl game, but like, can they win two or three games is how we were feeling. And it just kind of totally changed. And then, you know, you get to the pit game. With the way Virginia Tech won, we were all just kind of puzzled. And then they just put it together pretty consistently against similar caliber competition. In fact, very consistently. Virginia Tech won
2: every game the rest of the way against teams of similar caliber. Well, and- Mike, that was, that was the, the puzzle of it, right? Was at one and three, losing to the teams that you had lost to, thinking what those teams were, which for the most part was correct. Marshall was probably worse than what we thought they were at the time. Purdue right. was, we thought Purdue was bad. They were actually worse. Rutgers might've been a little bit better, but I think we landed Rutgers a little more credence at the time, but losing those three games certainly did not lend well to a situation where every game that you saw left on the schedule that might be winnable, you had to sweep. And we were talking about a coaching staff at that time that had, Pretty much lost every toss-up game they had ever been a part of.
0: Yeah, oh, that's. I mean, I think that's a great point. Like, not only did they lose every toss-up, they weren't competitive in a lot of those toss-ups. Like, think back to last year. Every 50-50 game, the tech lost. Like, it was really that competitive. I mean, I, I think the one that stands out that that was was the NC State game in Blacksburg, uh, towards the end of the year. Right? I, I guess that would be the that I would guess be the no.
2: one. fluky, but that's it was fluky. fluky.
0: It was fluky, but that was it, really. I mean, the other 50-50 games that Pry and his staff had, had had played, it really wasn't that competitive. So we didn't really have any data points available to us at the time of the Pittsburgh game that indicated that Virginia Tech could go on the kind of run that they went on. We had no idea that Virginia Tech was going to look completely different schematically on offense the rest of the season, that all of a sudden, you know, coming off of three losses in, in the first four games, and a three-game losing streak, Virginia Tech was just going to snap their fingers and find themselves offensively, and that's exactly what happened. And then it was just kind of consistent that way the rest of the way. Defense played a lot better, obviously, uh, against teams that didn't necessarily have the skill position talent that a Florida State and a Louisville had. NC State was obviously a very odd result. We talked about that a lot last week in terms of how the defense played. I was just surprised that, you know, the defense played as poorly as it did, but this team has been bouncing back in a lot of spots this year. There's been a resilience. There hasn't been a quit to this team. Um, pry has, you know, gotten the most, I think out of his players in times where he needed to, you know, um, anytime they kind of faced adversity, they were able to find it in themselves to pick up a big win. And it's just very surprising that this is how Virginia Tech got to six and six after the September that they had just very, it was a very surprising and odd year. And it's funny because I thought a little bit more about it too. Like Ricky mentioned, this team was bipolar in terms of week to week, you know, not really knowing what version of Virginia Tech would show up. And I think by the end of the year, especially when you consider how Virginia Tech played in conference. I think we knew exactly what kind of Virginia Tech team was showing up based on the caliber of opponent they ended up playing. Like if it was a bad opponent, a a team with a bad offense and a bad defense, Virginia Tech won that game by multiple scores. If the team was competent at any position group whatsoever on one side of the ball or the other, Virginia Tech's probably going to lose that game or have a really hard time, you know, see Florida State, see Louisville, and then NC State, I guess, is the outlier uh, considering how bad their offense was and how well it performed
1: at Lane Stadium last week. But But NC State qualifies as that having the really competent, strong defense, excellent defense that that they had. not Yeah, excellent defense. So, yeah, we're it's also just kind of by the way
0: ranked Ranked now one one again beat the beat the piss out of North Carolina Saturday (laughs) night, beat the absolute hell out of them.
2: For for a neutral observer, right? So you're not a Virginia Tech fan, you're not rooting for the other team. There was no real tech game with a ton of entertainment value. The losses, I mean, I guess you could say Marshall might have been an entertaining game as a neutral observer.
1: That was a pretty <laughs> ugly watch, I feel like. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, like, at least it was
2: close. I certainly
0: did enjoy it.
2: Yeah, it, it was close. <laughs> Purdue was just bad football. Plus someone had to, Purdue, awesome had to win. Marshall was <laughs> got bad. Purdue
0: got eyes on people got eyes on the Purdue game for all the wrong reasons. You know, it was like, Oh my God,
2: it's we're 10 hours in
0: and we're just starting the fourth quarter. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the rest of it was just tech. Never really feeling in it. And tech blowing the team out of the water by halftime. <laughs> just a, a weird season. There was no, super heartbreaking and or super gratifying absolute thriller this year and you know even if you can think of some of the other six and six seasons there were definitely a lot more like consistently up and down up and down and there was nail biters whether it be like the wake force zero zero end of regulation or you know pointing to the two more recent six and six seasons where the UVA game came down to the absolute wire. Uh Frank's last game qualifies for that. Or Frank's last regular season game qualifies for that as well. No, there was, the wins were no drama. The losses after September, at least Virginia Tech was clearly just the lesser team. and Most of the time we knew that going into the game.
0: So now we wait on a bowl destination, right? We're probably about a week out from that announcement. Uh,
2: okay, question about that. Why? Why do we have to wait a week for them to pick what six and 16 goes where? Because everything starts at the top, Andrew. But the trickle effect's not going to go down that far. Just tell me if I'm going to Annapolis or not.
1: <laughs> I, Andrew no wants to me. know if the march to Annapolis is concluded.
2: Thing is, I am so <laughs> dead set. That I will go like people who know me personally know like my job is really stressful and I don't take as much time off as I should. I'm very conservative about when I do it. I'm hundred percent taking time off for the military bowl. If it happens, oh, get me there. I want to feel yeah. that Annapolis breeze coming off the Naval yard. I want to get a bloody Mary on the water. Come on. Like it, it was destiny all along. Just let me know that. Dreams do come true. <laughs> I will say,
0: like I if Virginia Tech does end up in Annapolis for the military Bowl, I do plan on being there. And the other thing too, is that uh because i I have not made it to Blacksburg to a game this year. And I didn't make it last year because you guys know this. A lot of listeners know this. I have a toddler, and things just get harder, <laughs> right? So, like I haven't been to a game in Blacksburg in two years. That is changing next year. i'm I'm going to at least a couple games in Blacksburg next year. I've already Talk to my wife about it. We're like, we are going to multiple games next year. Um, I I plan to be in Annapolis if that's where the bowl game is going to be. Uh, I th- I've been to several military bowls, right? Uh, military bowls that Virginia Tech has participated in. I've also been to a military bowl or two that Virginia Tech has not participated in because uh, I know some people at Northrop Grumman that got me seats.
2: And you're uh, just a up.
0: Yes, yeah, I'm just a sicko. Now the military bowl, I I by the way, I don't think the military bowl is even sponsored by Northrop Promenade anymore. Uh it's neither no, here nor there. Go
2: bowling.com.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. That's right. Go bowling.com. That was just announced. We made fun of that. That's correct. It's <laughs> it's late and I'm tired. But You're uh,
1: tired, Mike?
0: Were you yeah, in that I,
1: car for 13 hours today?
0: I was not, but I recorded until 2 a.m. last night and woke up at 6 30. So I am feeling it a little bit. Uh this is the most exciting I most excited I will be to go to a military ball in Annapolis. Most excited is, I will
1: be. There is a possibility that if this game is in Annapolis and Virginia Tech is playing in the military ball presented by GoBalling.com, that all three of the Hokie hangover boys will be in attendance.
2: For those keeping track at home that has literally never happened before.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally never happened.
0: <laughs> has not uh eh, maybe not
2: has it I don't think it has I think it I has. can only
1: recall one game and I don't remember which one it was last year where Mike <laughs> Notre Dame, it was Notre Dame it was Notre Dame uh to in twenty one it was Notre Dame Mike showed up to the press conference in like a callaway hat looking like he just got off the course and showed up and sat next to me in the press box. Oh, and because yeah. we were all wearing masks back then, I could not recognize who the hell he was. Yeah, slapped him on the arm. I was like, "Yo, what's up?" It took him a second. <laughs> was he like, was who like, who "Oh," the hell is that? was like, "Oh,"
0: he's like, "Oh, what's up?" <laughs> he figured it out quickly. It took him a bit,
2: but no, it it will be a uh, a great opportunity, uh, you know, to see some quality football. Memphis, that could be a good matchup.
0: Saw that floated. Memphis is a potential opponent. It'll be somebody from the AAC, which I mean, not going to be Tulane, not going to be SMU, not going to be UTSA. That's a
1: shame. SMU would have had some
0: juice. Uh, it's okay. You'll be able to see that in conference play here soon. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that would have had some juice to it for sure. Looking at the American standings. Not many options, boys.
0: Memphis is certainly a candidate,
1: potentially B candidate. playing the Navy, military.
2: Bowl. Is Navy Bull eligible?
1: Uh, no, not yet. Oh, are they at five? They're at five.
0: Yeah, that Navy is not. Uh, So, I mean, Navy's got to beat how, Army. How does that work? Navy's got to beat Army.
2: Wouldn't they announce the Bull? Before that game is played, yeah,
1: usually don't one of them go to the Armed Forces Bowl. I'm not sure how they're there doing are, it
0: anymore. Yeah, there, there's there are a couple bowl games that uh, hold off for the for the winner in this circumstance.
1: It's a shame that ECU went two and ten this year because there would be some definite juice for Virginia Tech East Carolina.
2: I would love another crack at that series, just for just for fun.
1: Yeah, no chance.
2: Virginia
0: Tech against a rebuilding South Florida or a rebuilding Rice.
2: I'm down to play
1: a bowl of rice. I think that would be a lot of fun.
0: Yes, a bowl a bowl against Rice. Did you guys a see bowl that graphic bowl... that they
1: put that they Elite. put on their social media?
0: Elite by the social media team yes. at Rice. Yes. Elite. Yeah. Bowl eligible Rice and they literally just posted a bowl of rice. <laughs> with a background, beautiful.
2: I mean, it's uh Simple yet effective. Yeah, there's I mean, there's options there. Again, I mean, I don't even think it's just the the idea of getting to the bowl game. Like we've talked about, it would be great to have a final winning record when it's all said and done. Unfortunately, the new landscape and nature of the beast that is college football in 2023 does make these postseason bowls. A little less meaningful, a little less reflective than they otherwise would be. I think that whoever has a crack at Syracuse in a bowl game should be expecting a win. <laughs> because just like we saw with Fuente, Coach Leaves, so too does like the entire team that's worth a damn into the transfer. How
1: about uh how about whoever plays Boston College? I wonder who Mike's gonna pick in that one
2: yeah uh
0: this may surprise you because Boston College lost again, but I will be fading Boston College uh, <laughs> since their fans uh started trying to troll me on social media. they have not won a football game, and I hope that continues in December.
2: The pettiness is beautiful just Mike versus the Boston college fan base two thousand twenty three
0: yeah. The the one Boston college fan who told me that I didn't know ball because I told him that his team sucked and they haven't won a game since then. Um in fact, they haven't really been competitive in a game since then. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel good. So.
2: One to hang on to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've had multiple Boston college fans block me at this point, which I understand. I'm I've been totally unhinged. Uh <laughs> All right, so Virginia Tech's going to a bowl game. UVA is not. How does Tony Elliott even come back from this, like, in this rivalry? Like,
1: I I don't know. So the nice thing is, is right, is that he's got job security because Virginia is unserious and does not care about winning games. Um I mean, things are certainly not going to be trending in the right direction. I, I do think that the, in all seriousness, I think they can build around Calandria. I think he's got enough talent to be a competent ACC starter. I don't know that he's going to be a big impact kind of player, but I do believe that he can be a starter in this conference. They're going to have to develop. They're going to have to hit the transfer portal and hit on some guys. I think that's it just is what it is, that they're not recruiting at a high rate. Uh, they really haven't for what's well, really decades at this point. But there is no way now that he can even attempt to sell that the Who's, the Charlottesville College of the Performing Arts are the flagship school in the Commonwealth. There's no way you can try even try and sell that message now.
0: I mean, James Madison made a bowl game. Uh, Virginia Tech made a bowl game. James Madison beat Virginia this year. Virginia yeah. Tech beat Virginia this year. At least the James Madison game was competitive, right? James Madison is going to finish the season ranked in the AP poll, which is something that Virginia Tech's not going to be able to say. So uh, James Madison, obviously, really good year. They're going bowling, by the way.
2: Uh, I'm defying happy the odds, for
0: them. They deserve it. Defying the odds because the NCAA is filled with a bunch of idiots making decisions. Uh, they're defying the odds and they're able to go to a bowl game because there were not enough 6 1 teams, essentially. So they made a bowl game. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just, it, it's really hard to sell your program when the only two in state teams you played this year, you lost to. Tough. I mean, that's tough. I guess they'd another... be, be William it'd be, Mary. They'd be William be, Mary. Mary. Excuse it's me. The only, two Mary. FBS, the only two FBS programs, I'm sorry, in the state of Virginia. I don't want to be. It's going to
1: take. Another Bryce Perkins kind of player for that program to be able to win more than like six or seven games.
2: Yeah, and you know, we talked about the the cultural issues there, and when things have gotten bad for Virginia Tech, like Virginia Tech football obviously means an unhealthy amount to the three of us personally. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably right there with us, right? It's special, it's community, it's your past and it's your opportunity to you know, get nostalgic, get with friends, be part of that culture, whether it be online, in person, what have you. The fact that people care so much is one of the most beautiful parts about this thing. And the program's great and it deserves a winning product. For UVA, it's the opposite. No one cares, and as such, they get the product that they deserve. My my biggest fear in all of this, the worst thing that could ever happen because I love this program so much, is it ever turning into a situation where there's rivalry games, games of any sort on your home field where you're getting out-attended in a half-full stadium by your rival. That's apathy, that's ugly, and that's not what college football is about. So – Oh, but, but here's but Andrew, to a great win. Let's hope but, we never turn into them. But but
0: Andrew, uh, Virginia Tech fans that they, they they didn't send enough fans to Scott Stadium <laughs> because they block us from Lloyd.
2: buying the stuff. I was what surprised. Do they want to do? Donate donate to the Virginia Athletic Fund.
0: Yeah, yeah, you got to be a donor to the Virginia Football Fund in order to get a ticket from the University of Virginia for the Virginia Tech game at Scott Stadium. That's been a thing now for a few years. Shout out to Alex Jones.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're so scared of the Virginia Tech fan base and the PR embarrassment they could be. They are willing to leave money on the table just to mitigate it because they can't prevent it.
1: It's a bad look, boys. That's all I got. Bad look.
2: Andrew
0: talking about how he'll like rue the day that that ever happens in Blacksburg. It, It just simply wouldn't happen in Blacksburg.
1: Yeah. And this goes back to show that uh, there is a, a floor in Blacksburg. As bad as things can get, the actual institution, the program, the fan base, there's a pretty high floor with that group. The atmosphere at a Virginia Tech game will never look like what it did on Saturday in Charlottesville.
2: Well, right. you know, in... It's an old saying in politics, right? Like democracy means the people get the government that they deserve. Well, in this day and age in college football, the fans will generally speaking get within a margin of error, the product that they deserve. Like it's just with NIL and all that stuff and people who have been with us for a long time, you guys know that we've never been the podcast to tell you that you have to go donate to the Hokie Club or you have to go donate to Triumph and I, and I, You can use your money however you want. But the reality is this is just where we're at. Like this, until it's changed, is the model. And like Dave Doran said to the his NC State fans, you know, be a part of it and help your team because it's just, it, it is the hand that you can choose what hand you're dealt collectively. And, and, you know, Virginia Tech's in a weird position where the university's expanded more recently, right? Like Penn State's always been huge. They've always been churning out X tens of thousands alumni per year. And Virginia Tech is just getting to that point. So obviously we're more set for the future. The more people come through and the bigger the university's profile is. So, yeah, we're kind of playing from behind right now. But if, if you can, send some money, be a part of it it'll make things better in the end.
0: I am uh, out of things to say. I mean, we didn't talk about the actual game itself much outside of just the blowout. I mean, Bachel Tootin' really good. Daquan Felton, really good. Drones, obviously, was incredible, really good. Virginia Tech defensive line, fantastic. The fact that Malik Washington had like 100-plus yards receiving on 13 catches and was a total non-factor in the game, a lot of those coming in garbage time, just speaks to, you know, for how Virginia Tech's defense performed, the secondary, the secondary was really good. I mean, on snaps that mattered, <laughs> Virginia was totally non-competitive in the passing game. So yeah, just but, a complete, a complete team performance.
1: Two things for me, Phil Darius Payne, shout out to him. He's been a real game changer ever since he was inserted into the rotation. And, um, I, wish, I I don't think there's a way that they can get him for another year, or so I wish him the best, but he's been a real difference maker. Uh, but the other thing that I wanted to leave us with here, boys, do you feel better or worse about the future of the program given Virginia Tech's blowout win? over? Virginia? You, you have to you feel have better, to, right? You have
2: to feel better. You have, you have, to, have, to, feel have feel better. to feel better. <laughs> hey, I, I, I've been smiling all podcast long, boys. <laughs> this is exactly how I wanted to feel at the end of the season. Yes, I, there, there, There is, you know, hope springs eternal. And hope around this program right now, you know, you, you feel, like I said before, you could not credibly say that there's evidence at this point that Brett Price is absolutely not the guy. The message that he's selling now has a number of data points that he can show on the trail. Like, we can do it. We can do it. I mean, the couple of notes that I had was just uh, – it was funny, right, because I, uh, I I thought throughout college football season, obviously we trash on Virginia, but it's a program that's been through a lot, you know, with what happened last year, of course, and, you know, some cool stories, you know, one of them being uh, the place kicker, Matt Ganyard, the, the military veteran uh, who came back at, like, age 33, to be the place kicker. It's like, well, one of the problems with him though, despite the fact that his college game day segment was a bit of a tear jerker, can't kick the ball out of the end zone. You do not want to kick the ball to Bayeshell and like that. And the fact that that came, Mike, was that right after the rinky dink loser field goal they could it kick was down thirty one? It
0: was. That's the football god smiling upon us. <laughs> yes, yes. That
2: was that was the football god smiling. So shout out to that guy, but thanks for the kick return touchdown. Uh, yes. Yeah. Other than that, again, I can't stress it up. It's gotta be the most gratifying win in Blacksburg. When when was the last time a win was this gratifying?
1: Mm. You're gonna make me
0: go back and look. 2019 Miami.
2: I was gonna say 2019 Carolina maybe. Carolina. 2021
0: Carolina. 2021 Carolina. I was gonna say wait. Yeah. That was was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah
2: that was fool's gold, like, it's even more so gratifying than it's the note you end on.
0: Yeah, rather than an early September win, or in that case, right, the very first game of the year where you really don't know the magnitude of what you just did one way or the other, like, you don't know if the win is as good on paper as it looked because you know North Carolina had a preseason top 10 ranking to their name right or uh you know I was thinking I always think back to what is that 20 2016 maybe Notre Dame Texas and it was like this back and forth game and everybody was talking about how great of a game it was and then neither team ended up making a bowl game uh like that that was four and eight Notre Dame, right? Yeah, that was 2016. So um, that was the that opener was that year. That another
2: gratifying Tech win. And we knew they were bad.
0: South end, yeah. Yeah, that didn't look good there for a while. Virginia Tech played really well in the second half. but
1: Yeah, I think the, the 2019 Carolina game has got to be up there in terms of recent gratifying wins. Uh, going back to that season, Virginia Tech beat Georgia Tech 45 to nothing on the road that year. Yeah. Year one, shot. We Collins. had
2: gone. We had gone into that fateful blip in the UVA series. I think it was seventy-five nothing, or seventy nothing. The last two opponents, right? It was Pitt and Georgia Tech. And twenty-eight.
1: And- whatever that, whatever that math adds up to, their Pamplin grad.
2: He's Jesus. tired. He's on four hours of sleep. <laughs> Revoked the Pamplin degree. <laughs>
1: UVA fans listen to this. We'll, we'll give it, we'll get their digs in there because uh clearly we don't have the academics at our I'm school. not.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. We're not the UVA school of commerce or whatever. I, yeah. the
1: Charlottesville college of performing, performing arts, arts slash commerce. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's all I got boys. Very exciting win. We'll have to, uh, We'll have to talk about the Bulls stuff as soon as we learn. I I actually would be interested to get y'all's thoughts on the playoff picture uh, as we get into the conference weekend. We can talk about that another time, though. And, um, yeah, should be fun. Hopefully the march to Annapolis will get its final moment in the sun, and we will see Virginia Tech at the Naval College.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you fun podcast, uh, overall fun. Also Naval
1: Academy. God, I'm tired too. Damn. It's been a long day.
2: Fun podcast, fun season, uh, you know, number five of the hooky hangover. So most successful
1: in the pods history as well. So shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you for sharing, reviewing, leaving a, leaving a review is huge for us. So
0: please do that. Please do that rate it and review really important
2: it's mucho appreciated uh so yeah if you're new thanks for joining us we hope you stick a lot stick around throughout the off season you know it doesn't stop i mean it slows down we might not be posting <laughs> twice a week uh we'll ensure yeah. that <laughs> all of our sleep schedules will
1: dude it's basketball season man
2: yeah actually uh, quick, quick
1: couple couple hey
0: couple wins in Orlando. Now, I, I'd, I'd rather not talk about the 34-point loss to a Final Four team today, but two wins against – Final t- Four team?
1: Florida, Florida Atlantic. Atlantic.
2: was just Florida in the Atlantic. Final Four, Rick.
1: Final Four.
2: Not Final Four. Not Final Four. I thought you year. meant Final Sorry. Four
0: this year. I'm like, geez. No, no, no. No, no. no, no. I will I, I mean, maybe – They could make another I it run. Could <laughs> I,
2: I guess it could it's be. It's like the exact run. same team. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Dustin making coach. But, uh, yeah, I would rather not talk about the 34-point loss. I got away from Virginia Tech a little bit. They basically, like, didn't make a three the entire game. That was rough. But the first two games were against uh, certainly two teams that are going to be in the mix for the NCAA tournament. They're in the tournament a lot, Boise State and Iowa State. Tech got two, I think, resume-building wins potentially
2: there. So, nice. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't go 0-3. Uh, two wins was kind of – I. Did not think Tech was going to go in and win that tournament, but two wins seemed like a pretty solid barometer for walking out of that place saying it was a success. It was a success. Obviously the, uh, the nature of getting crushed like that is it's Florida Atlantic is not totally like the most encouraging thing we've ever watched, but you know, Virginia Tech's got a lot of new pieces, a lot of younger pieces. They're trying to learn how to play together. They had an off shooting night, and you were playing against a team that was better than you already had the experience. They were on, we were off. That's how you kind of end up where you were really good to where where you finished. But, you know, it's obviously a lot of this plays into how the rest of the ACC shakes out. And I'm not sick in the head enough to tell you that I've been following what Boston College and Georgia Tech have been doing to this point uh, in the ACC basketball landscape educate myself at some point but uh yeah, if there's I mean, anyone
1: that can educate us on boston college basketball it's michael mcdaniel
0: they they, they ain't it <laughs> chief. they're not it not it chief
2: yeah they're not it but either way i think that what was thrown out the window hopefully this weekend is the notion that virginia tech may be entirely like non-competitive and they just don't have it like no, this is a team that could compete with tournament quality basketball teams and they might not be top 25 caliber but if the if where virginia tech is supposed to, is supposed to be is hanging in there for a tournament bit at the end like i still feel kind of good that they can be there
0: huge game wednesday night acc sec challenge at auburn Pretty big, pretty big game against an Auburn team that uh, will be in the mix in the SEC. A I, I win there, like going three and one in this four-game stretch, like being able to pick up a road win right there, that would be monumental. I was hoping that Virginia Tech would come out of this four-game stretch two and two, so I already picked up two wins. Picking up a third would be spectacular um, before you play a couple more non-con games, uh, more in the cupcake variety before getting into ACC play, so.
2: Uh, I also want to put my official endorsement in for John Gruden to Indiana. Uh, that's been <laughs> rumored. Would love, love, love to see that tried.
0: Yeah. Me too. Me too. Screw it. I'm here for it. Trust me. Not? me. Me too. That would be funny. That's uh, that's shades of Lubby Smith at Illinois, is what that is
2: but it would be funnier than that. Much funnier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Much funny. Much
1: funnier. Uh,
0: don't say anything racist this time.
2: Yeah. Try, try, try to avoid that The low
0: bar, low bar.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't say anything racist. <laughs> Guy can coach football. Just don't be a racist.
2: Uh, Elko to Duke. Sorry. Or, excuse me. Leaving yeah, Duke. Leaving Duke. am, leaving Duke, A&M. I'm, A&M I'm getting A&M, tired yeah. too.
0: Leaving Duke to A&M. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's uh, all but official, I guess, at this very moment.
1: Well, hell, wasn't Mark Stoops official to Texas A&M, and we saw how that turned out. Yeah, that that was a
0: really fun couple hours. I have a uh, <laughs> podcast. I have a podcast heat up in the queue uh, for tomorrow while I'm working. Uh, Split Zone Duo. I I'm a uh, Patreon subscriber. I guess they're on Substack. I'm a Substack subscriber now, and they have exclusive like premium episodes they put out. They have a uh, coaching rumors show. You know. Several of the guys there are pretty tied in uh, Richard Johnson and Stephen Godfrey do good stuff there with Alex Kirshner and uh, Godfrey and Richard Johnson do a coach's show and they are going to be discussing uh, what exactly went down from what they understand in terms of Stoops not going to A&M like everybody thought late Saturday night. So I want to know what happened in those like hour, the, the one to two hour span in which we all thought Stoops was leaving Kentucky to go to A&M. I really want to know what went down there.
2: Oh, Dan Mullen to Syracuse. Yeah. Oh, saw that too. Sure.
1: Sure. That would be. Uh, that'd be interesting. He is a ball
0: coach. He probably, is. probably worse hires to make than Dan Mullen. He could, as Joey said on my ACC podcast last night, uh, he can make chicken salad.
1: I'm not sure that Syracuse wants to get in the mud. Uh, that hasn't really been their M.O. on the football side. So just buyer beware.
0: Yeah. Maybe they should just run something other than air raid. Like in a region where it's really hard to recruit athletes. Maybe that's what they do next. Something other than that might be a good idea. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. We'll probably be back. Uh, we'll discuss. Well, we'll probably be back this week maybe to talk about basketball more
2: and there's probably going to be some serious transfer portal crap one way or the other it'll be worth talking about yeah we'll we'll bring that to you as the as the news demands we bring it to you
0: yeah keep an eye on your feeds we'll put something up on social media if we're planning to record again this week Uh, we'll give you a heads up Uh, this may be also just a down week for us. we've been going at a two podcast clip for uh basically four months. so yeah, <laughs> it might be it might be just a much needed down week for uh the three of us, but we will not be going far, so keep, it
2: yeah,
0: at the very least, we will be back. uh, we will be back next week, barring significant transfer portal news. We will be back next week once we find out about Virginia Tech's bowl destination. Uh, We'll recap Virginia Tech's uh, midweek game on the men's side against Auburn. Uh, We'll also talk about the Virginia Tech women who have picked up a couple of pretty big wins uh, in the Cayman Islands on pretty poor shooting nights. Uh, Kitley had a really good game against Kansas, and they needed her to because nobody else really scored. So uh, shout out to VT women still cruising right along uh, at at a pretty good pace here. So uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. As always, go Hokies.